Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on this midweek afternoon on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined as usual by JP Ong from a safe distance across the board. <laughs> Let me put this mask down for a bit. It's only for about a few minutes. It right? is It is a big board as well. And now that he's taken his mask off, he doesn't look like a Zorro anymore. Mm. I was going to go with the ninjas, but okay. Okay, well, I felt like Zorro when I came into work with <laughs> well, my they... mask on, minus the hat. Hey, Zorro doesn't wear a face mask. It's the eye mask he wears. Anyway, uh, we are drifting far away from what we're I supposed know, to talk right? about. I know, right? But then yeah. again, there isn't actually that much to talk about with the markets. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is. It's just a very, it's just a, not an encouraging. It is if you like the color red. Yes, that's true. And uh, yeah, two, after two straight days of strong gains, it seems that the rally, it, it seems, has fizzled. And mm. we've always talked about how temperamental or how delicate the market sentiment is. You have two straight days of, of gains, and now you have a day of losses. Um, the thing is, though, some of these drivers that were driving optimism earlier this week, they seem to be holding some ground. New York State in the U.S. has reported yet another day of uh, where they saw a decline, at least, or a flattening of new cases and deaths in that state. Now, governor, uh, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, has also told people, hey, guys, remember, we can't stay complacent. We can't slack off mm-hmm. at this point. This can bite us in the proverbial behind if, if it's worse. Uh, across uh, Europe, we're also seeing signs of uh, stabilizing death rate numbers. I can't believe we're talking about death rates as a as as uh, indicator positive indicators for markets, but there you go. At least we're seeing fewer people or signs that there are less people dying in some of these places. But it's only on a matter of days. The sentiment is still very very uh, sensitive. And uh, in the United States today, we also saw um, the number of deaths. I think uh, I think uh, jump up once again. There is now concern that. Uh, that some recent remarks from President Donald Trump in the United States, where he's threatening to hold back funding from the from the World Health Organization. Yeah. I think that's sort of ruffled feathers at the moment and sort of uh, made investors go take a step back and go, wait a minute, what exactly are you trying to do here? Um, he's blaming the World Health Organization basically for uh, messing China it up centric. and being very China centric. Messing it up, not getting the guidelines straight, mm. um, what, you know, and he has threatened to withhold uh, funding from the World Health Organization. But this is the kind of uh, dissonance that you don't need in the markets, especially when it comes to health authorities who are trying to coordinate a response. Now, granted, there are some criticisms that can be leveled at the World Health Organization, but uh, pandemics or growing pandemics, they're not exactly easy to deal with also. Uh, Nevertheless, well, certainly a pandemic that we knew nothing about before it erupted. Yes, true. Um, and the, the, some of the criticisms are that you know they you know they didn't impose travel restrictions right away. And fair enough. Sometime in late January, they actually said that travel restrictions probably won't stop the spread. Um, we know that now with all these countries in, in certain in certain degrees of lockdowns and uh, and border restrictions right now. We've seen some control, at least, of uh, of, uh, of cases, especially now that China and even here in Singapore at mm-hmm. one point, they were saying that a lot of the cases were imported at some point. Um, so you can you – know, there are some valid criticisms, but is it enough to really say, okay, we're going to withhold funding from the world – to the World Health Organization, especially at a time when they need it to help coordinate a global response? Um, just a lot of dissonance, I think, that's feeding into the markets. We're seeing the Straits Times Index down today by about 37 points uh, across the rest of the region. The Nikkei 225 and the ASX 200 are in the green, but Shanghai and Shenzhen are in the red. It's just a little bit wobbly across the board. And here in Singapore, of course, we also noted that we saw another 106 cases mm. that brought the uh, total up to 1,481. Um, 
maybe some source of comfort is that we, we there were reported 33 more people released from hospital uh, deemed to have recovered from the COVID-19 virus. So just a little bit of comfort there. But still, you're seeing the total number of cases that we've recorded so far continue to go up. And we just hope that the tally of recoveries at one point outweighs the number of infected uh, sooner rather than later. And we were there at one point, right? Just mm-hmm. hope that we can get back to the place where... We used to be. It kind of sounds like a love song, right? Where you're trying to... JP, really? It's only been day two of the circuit breaker already. My brain's been circuit broken. You're you're already quoting sappy love songs? I'm Filipino. It's my my second nature. (laughs) It's in my second nature. There's a virtual karaoke going on in my head. (laughs) I don't even want to know what song is playing right now. Okay. Stop it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, sorry. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> You're back. The ASX, for, you know, for once in a while does come into step with the rest of the market. State seems to be doing that. Yes, it's true. The ASX 200's up, but the, there's not a lot of good news either be reported out in Australia. Today, the Australian government did reveal that they are going to uh, put forward another stimulus package mm-hmm. to try and address the economic downturn out there. But S&P, or Standard & Poor's ratings today, reduced their outlook on Australia from stable to negative. Now, they've maintained the AAA rating that that, that their government bonds have, but they have said that, look, a lot of the spending could put pressure on their government deficits, could put more pressure because of the uh, possible recession. In fact, the Reserve Bank of Australia just yesterday in their policies warned Australia to brace themselves for what could be a very a very severe economic contraction and their first recession since the early 90s. So you have that. And you also have banking regulators in Australia actually asking lenders in, down under to refrain from dividend payments. So they've actually told them refrain from dividend payments, make sure that whatever stimulus uh, funnels through the banks goes towards providing capital for some of these smaller small and medium enterprises that are really going to suffer from pro- pro- prolonged lockdowns, social distancing, economic slowdowns. Um, there's not a lot to really uh, to really write home about with regards to Australia, but there you have the ASX 200 today defying the odds. They're up by about 62 points. And we can only probably look at some of the oil and gas players out there because we're seeing oil prices starting mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Just, uh, just stabilize a little bit on hopes that, you know, the OPEC players, Russia, and maybe even the United States might come together and agree on an output cut. Now, the U.S. has firmly said that we're against that because it's against market principles. We have to let the markets decide. Um, or, or we have to let the markets decide on the price. But they're also calling on Russia and Saudi Arabia to refrain from flooding the markets with oil. So again, there's still some more uncertainty, whether you look at the commodity markets, whether you look at uh, the current state of the COVID-19 pandemic across the world. And I think it's just weighing on a lot of investors at the moment and making them question whether or not this rally of the last two days actually has some legs and markets are trending downward at least, although no one's really on a free fall right now. All right. Well, you know, we always talk about uh, earnings and and um, revenue reports. So I suppose we should really talk about SBHs in hmm since we are transparent. Yes, we are. Um, the parent company of our radio station um, did release earnings last night. I did break some of the uh, top-line figures then when it came out. Um, it's also important because they are the first on the Straits Times Index to release earnings for this season, and we might have to wait another two weeks before the next one. I think it's Maple Tree Commercial Trust they'll be releasing sometime on the 23rd. So how was SPH's report card? Well, it dep- this is a classic case of it, you can look at it as a go- in, a, in, in a good way or a bad way. 
So they released their first half earnings. So as we know, the fiscal year for Singapore Press Holdings begins in September mm-hmm. or begins in September. And uh, so since that time, we've, uh, since that time, September, October, we've had six months pretty much in SPH's fiscal year. So unfortunately for the first half, SPH reported a 9.3% drop in net profits to 77.6 million Singapore dollars. A lot of these drivers and headwinds continue to stay in place. Lower adver- lower, um, lower, uh, lower print advertisement revenues for newspapers being offset by, um, strong, by uh, a solid performance from SPH REIT and some of the student accommodations and senior care facilities that they have. So that's one way to look at it. The other way you can look at it is there are positive signs of a turnaround because when you look at the second quarter or the last three months from December to, fe- to February, SPH actually reported that net profits grew by 5.5%. Mm-hmm. Revenues also grew, ticked up just a little bit. We saw operating, co- operating profits also grow significantly. And they actually said it's because of this pivot that they're making where they're trying to deepen their involvement in student dorm accommodations, senior care housing, uh, the property segments really ma- starting to make up more of the pie for SPH, which is a good pivot. And it's also signs that there was a bit of a recovery underfoot, perhaps, for the group as a whole. Now the COVID-19 pandemic has hit us, right? Now the, uh, their, their uh, top management at SPH has actually addressed and said, we're in, we're, they're not entirely sure what the outcome is because everything's changing so fast. Yep. And the impact is so drastic. Um, the concern now is that some of these new drivers for SPH are going to get hit. For instance, like the purpose-built student accommodations, they said that there's been a very strong performance from them until this happened. But as we know, some of the assets out of the United Kingdom have allowed their um, tenants, at least, to go back home to practice social distancing since since some schools and universities are closed. And they've actually allowed them to forego some of their rents mm-hmm. uh, because, because, of, because of this. So moving forward, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame because when you look at some of these new drivers for SBH, they're just gaining some steam, and then the COVID-19 pandemic hits, and then it starts to weigh on some of these new drivers or stalls them at least a little bit. So in some ways, the, there were some signs of encouragement in the second quarter, but now the COVID-19 pandemic kind of, 19 pandemic kind of changes everything for a conglomerate like SPH, and this is just what's happening to SPH. Imagine what will happen. Imagine what the fallout might be when we start to look at, say, the earnings numbers of, say, Keppel. Or say Capital Land, or even mm. the, the, the DBSs of, I guess of, of from the country, there we can the draw SEM parallels courses. from uh, SPH REIT. They reported last week. Yes, they did report actually net property income growing by more than twenty percent. But they decided to actually lower the distributions because yep. they also need to go into cash conservancy mode. SPH, uh, the broader conglomerate, and the directors have actually decided to take on slight pay, small pay cuts. Mm-hmm. They've also said that we're going to have to focus on conserving cash, and I think that's also why they decided to also uh, lower the interim dividend from about five and a half Singapore cents a year ago now to one and a half cents. Right. And it, 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 the, the, that's the dilemma at the moment if you are a shareholder in some of these companies. On one hand, you're depending on some of these guys to, for dividends. But at the same time, we're also cognizant that a lot of these companies need to preserve cash in these uh, times. So you're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place. Do I want my dividend payments at the moment as a shareholder? It's probably good for me. But at the same time, what if they do pay out these dividends and they are low on cash and it endangers the long-term prospects sure. of this company to, or to, to ride out the COVID-19 pandemic? It's a difficult decision, really. Do, I want the, do, do we want to preserve these dividends 
or do we or or should we forego them to make sure that these companies we're invested in the long term can actually survive and pay us dividends again in the future should they decide to? I think most investors who invest in things like REITs are doing it for the medium term at least, if not the long term. And so if they take a little bit less profits or whatever... Uh, in the short term, it doesn't affect them that much as long as there's something. I think, well, th- if there's an that's indicator true. that you're going to get more down the road, and why th- not? And there is an understanding that you know this this is a very special circumstance, yeah. and reducing dividends. I mean, it might be something that's necessary. I mean, unlike the banks who have been asked to forgo dividends and buybacks for now for increased capital buffers because they're being asked to to prioritize providing liquidity to some of these suffering companies over doing dividends and share buybacks at the moment. Mm -hmm. It could be a lot more stringent. The thing about the REITs that's very also interesting is that there is a mandate for most of them, or if not all of them, to pay out 90% of their distributions available to shareholders, to unit holders. But again, in these very special circumstances, REITs might say, you know, on this and this very special circumstances. this reporting quarter. At least this quarter, or maybe at least for this semester, we might have to withhold a little bit of this because we've got to conserve cash and make Sure. sure that we have every single penny in the purse. It'll be interesting to see how um, all the commercial REITs actually come back out on the other side of COVID-19 because I suspect that with digitalization being the current push, there is definitely going to be changes in the way people go to malls. And even go to work even. Go so, to work. And uh, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because uh, – one of the uh, one of the reports that came out yesterday was from Colliers, where they said, "Okay, you know, the office rents are probably not, or will probably have survived more or less, or stabilized themselves in the first quarter, despite some of the headwinds. Mm-hmm. But they could, we we could start to see a slow erosion in office rents for the second quarter. So if you're a, because again, the the demand for offices in a downturn." Is not as is not as stringent. You've got a lot of offices working from home, perhaps deferred rental payments. Also, it's really going to start to hit them, according in, by Collier's estimates, in the second quarter, and we could see a decline in overall rents by about five percent next year. That's their estimates at the moment. But this feeds back again to, your, to the point you brought up: mm-hmm. these commercial these commercial REITs, these office REITs, also. Their distributions depend on making sure that they can make these rental payments, but everybody's under this very special and strenuous circumstance at the moment. How are they going to be able to maintain those dividends or distributions moving forward? And how does that change the outlook and how you price in, how you price some of these, uh, some of these, these REITs? And should we be cutting them some slack? Because it is a very special circumstance at the moment. A lot of questions to answer, of course, when you're evaluating these things, but it makes things very complicated, right? It makes it very interesting because not only do we need, not only do companies, not just us, but all companies need to look at how to survive this turbulent time, but also what it means for when we're in recovery. Mm. Because I do think you're right. It, it changes the face of how we work, where we work, how we shop, where we eat. All of this is going to change when we come back. It's going to be customer. It's consumer dynamics, I think, are going to change a lot. You're absolutely it, right. It, it is. And, and how will you prepare for it? How do you anticipate again, that? Yeah. So will we need half as many um, office desks when we come back? Or are more people going to be permanently working from home? These are questions that bosses are going to have to start thinking about um, in an accelerated fashion. Mm-hmm. For recovery, I think anticipating these two and making sure that 
what I think was, is going to happen, and this is just my opinion, you're going to see a, a lot of office managers start to price in or try to start to plan in, uh, try to accommodate more flexibility in case something like this happens. In case uh, something like this happens, you can easily pivot into these work from home um, situations with your with with your employees. Um, but and and accommodate uh, some of that. But you're right. Uh, the will you need to only accommodate 300 people on site at mm-hmm. all times, or mm-hmm. will it will come down to the point where it's like, well, you know, I might just need 50 people here at on site all times, or people coming in only for two hours and going back home to do their work. Uh, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how this is going to no, impact the no, behavior, but we're seeing not. it happen at the moment. We're see, certainly seeing the conversation starting to happen about how things will change and, when we come back. And the only thing that's for certain is that these lockdowns and some of these, I don't want to call it a lockdown here, but these uh, circuit breaker measures, these uh, these enhanced lockdowns you're seeing in, in other countries also, it people are going to come out of it very different. Nothing is going to be the same, especially how people approach things. And it's going to impact how we interact, like you said, and how we conduct ourselves either at work or at home or going to and from different establishments also. that's uh, It's fascinating, I think. if It's a fascinating time to be a sociologist. But I think uh, for markets, there are many, a lot of head-scratching and a lot of, geez, how do we price this in? I think how it's do going we prepare to be a this? very interesting time to start looking at some of those technology stocks too. Well, that's also what Peter Chen, actually, <laughs> of Silverberg Capital said. These technology stocks are going to be poised to do that. But the question for these technology stocks is, well, can you anticipate the change and can you make the proper investments to accommodate that? But again, these are conversations we've been having for years as well. And these are conversations we'll definitely be having in the future as it starts to look like digitalization is the new buzzword. Mm -hmm. This has been Market View on the midweek afternoon with J.P. Ong. I'm Clarissa Montero. You stay locked on to Money FM 89.3 for all the latest news. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.